Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Just felt bad and just didn't even stay and just me and Sister Rayleigh just, I just went home and went to bed and just. never ever had a song do me that way before and I asked him to sing that so I went home and I slept a little while when I woke up and I've only heard that song a couple times and they're the only ones I've heard singing I didn't I couldn't even remember because I went and asked joy I said I don't even know where I've heard this song but I started hearing this chorus. I hear the voice of the one I love. And just, I'm running. I'm running after you. And then it just kept, it's almost as if you was watching a movie. It just kept, to finally I just got up and I just said, where do I know this song from? And then she's like, they sing it at church. You know, it's like one of them times. How many times did they announce that and you didn't get it? You know, so, and I said, well, I've never had nothing. Literally, wake out of sleep and it do me that way. Not trying to think about it. Wake up and that's your first conscious thought as I start hearing this. But see, I'd already picked. I really didn't realize I was going to do this, but I'd already picked the title and my title was just searching for the one that I love. And I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but I just, that's why I asked him to sing it. I just, it goes along with what I just wanted to, what I just want to speak on for a little while. And it just, I just love the Lord. It's like I've told the board. I said, I'm, I'm not no theologian. I just love the Lord. I love the Bible. And as I've told you before, I base everything on the Bible, and I believe we should. Um, Everything we do, I mean, we should go to God's Word and and find the principle. I mean, because when life, as as with Josh, just throws us a loop, and I mean, you just you don't understand things. I mean, you just you just sit there scratching your head. Why did this happen to me? I mean, God is, I'm telling you, when he gave me that little bit of insight from Job that said, and God answered him out of the whirlwind. And then God says, don't let the storm override the voice. Sometimes life gets right here and that's all we can see. That's just human. That's just the human side of us. It's not being self-centered. 
That's just the human side of us. When we get engulfed in a trial, and that's all we can see. And, you know, and just things just happen, and we just, that's why I've said we'll go to our grave not knowing why some things happen. And I believe some things we should not try to figure out. God is sovereign. He loves us. And leave it alone. Don't worry yourself to death trying to figure out why it happened. Because we're just not going to have an answer for it. And I guess when you get down to it, we're not supposed to have an answer for it. God knows us. He loves us. And we have no doubt that God loves us. We can look in his word and find everything that we need in his word. And literally, literally, I mean, when you can go all the way back to the time, and this literally amazes me, go all the way back to the time of Adam, that when Adam fell, I don't know, I would really love at times like this to say that God had, God had with Adam, I'll just throw out 500 years of just perfect harmony that God come down in the cool of the day and walked with Adam and everything was perfect. But I don't know how long it was, but forever how long it was from the time that Adam and Eve sinned from that time until the time that God takes time and throws it away, God will spend that time trying to reconcile man back to the original position and that just amazes me. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how much time God had with Adam. But he has spent literally thousands of years trying to reconcile man back to that original position that Adam and God had. And man just goes along and saying, what have I got to do with God? And God literally spent everything he could and literally still woos and just tries to get man back to him to reconcile back to himself. And that's why my title is searching for the one I love. It goes both ways. God is searching for us, and we come in here. I mean, we love God. I believe we truly, as a church, we're not just interested in coming and being a group. We're not just interested in coming to church just to say, well, it's Wednesday night. We came to church. We're interested in finding God. We're interested in overcoming the enemy and overcoming the devil, the flesh, and the world. I'm not interested in coming to church just to say I've been to church. I want to make heaven. I want to see the end of this. I don't want to come to church just to say that, well, I've, I, I belong to Hatchman Apostolic Church. Most people don't even know what that means. They don't even know. They don't have a concept of what even that means. But, when you talk about relationships, they got enough sense to know what relationships mean. So when you tell them you can have a relationship with the Lord, then they can understand what that means to have something. In other words, I'm not telling somebody about a God that they don't even know or they can't relate to. I want to tell them about a God that they can understand and that will help them. And God has did this, everything that he went to, everything God went through was literally for the love of humanity. Everything he did, everything he gave, everything he suffered, all the sacrifices from beginning to end, everything he did was literally for the love of humanity. And that is why God, when he looked at, in the Old Testament, when he looked at his people, when they assembled, when they came, as we would say, to church, so to speak, God always called for solemn assembly. 
other words, assemble yourselves. Take heed of this. You're coming to church. Don't just waltz in here and just think, well, it's time for church. It's about 730. Let's just knock this thing off. No, sir. He said in the Old Testament, call for solemn assembly. You're fixing to come into my house, so don't just waltz in here anyway. You pray. Prepare your mind. You're coming into my house, and when you come in my house, prepare your mind not just because coming here scared, prepare your mind because I, God, Jehovah, is going to have something to give you. I will have something to fill your mind with. And that is why God said, don't just walk in here any old way. He loves us too much. What he wants us to do is cleanse ourselves, clean our mind. And it's just, and, and if this example is, is just too personal, forgive me. But I'm telling you, in the afternoons when I get home from work, I just cannot wait to take a bath. I'm telling you, I am so just, that's just the way I am. I, I, the world, I just want to wash it off. I just want to go home. I want to bathe. I want to cleanse. I just want to just cleanse myself from it as much as I can. And that is natural and spiritual. When you come in here, I'm just using the church as, a, as an example. But when you come in here, we don't just cleanse ourselves just to be cleansing ourselves. God said, no, cleanse your mind. When you come in here, I'll fill your mind. You're not coming in here just to cleanse yourself, just to say, I'm holier than thou. No. You come in here, cleanse cleanse, and, and purify yourself. He said, call for solemn assembly. So when you come into my house, then I want to talk to you. If you're in need, if you're hurting, let me put some salve on that wound. Let me address that need because that is what I'm going to want to do. That's what God's want to do. And in Joel, he told them, and in the Old Testament, they had a uh, a process they would do. At the time of mourning, the Bible says they would rend their garment. That would let others know that they was in the time of mourning. But Joel told them, said, look. And Joel, he said, what you need to do is rend your heart and not your garment. You can rend your garment and just walk around and make people think. But Joel said, no, we're way beyond that. What you need to do is rend your heart because God knows your heart. In other words, don't come in here and try to fool everybody else. And I've tore my jacket just to make everybody else think that I'm going through mourning. God knows the heart. Therefore, he said, rend your heart and not your garment. And in doing that, he said, blow, blow in trumpet, blow the trumpet in Zion. In doing that, he said, sound the alarm. Because when you're doing that, when you're coming in the house of God, the Lord's going to want to speak. We don't just, as Brother Boyd said it, there's not just an ordinary service. I mean, we come in. We're creatures of habit. We're, we're just human. Sometimes we're just, it's Wednesday or Sunday or whatever. I mean, we don't know what each other has went through or, or been through to get here or, or just before you left, what happened in your world, you know, that you went through and all of a sudden that you get here. Like I say, we're just human. We can't judge everybody out of the same book, and out of the same character because we're just a bunch of individuals. But we come here and we are human. And then all of a sudden, stand up. It's time to dismiss and go home. Hey, I'm human. We've all been there. But we don't need to make that the ordinary. When we come in here, hallelujah, guard our minds. Hallelujah, let God touch us. And it's just, it's like the old saying, you grow up, as you're growing up, especially with young people, you always hear Saturday, what are they doing? They're catching up on their sleep. You just hear that. 
You just hear that. And all of a sudden, I started reading and reading and reading. Well, everything I've read says you cannot do that. Once you lose it, it's gone. And that really, really amazed me. Because I'm thinking, what happens? Once you lose that sleep, it really affects your body. So the old guys now, they're telling me, hey, I'm living off of three hours a night. I said, well, go ahead, buddy. <laughs> Life is slow walking you down. You're going to have a three-hour night life is what's going to happen. But when you look at that spiritually, when we come to church, you know, I think, well, it's no big deal. I hadn't prayed or read or whatever, you know. Brother Boyd's got the service. I don't know. I don't know if it affects us, you know, somehow. Does it really affect us when we come to church, you know? You come in, you know, God is loving and gracious and forgiving. We pray. We ask forgiveness. I mean, God knows. I mean, God knows us. He knows what we have been. And if one thing I am for is compassion and mercy. That's why I said you can't loop everybody into the same, to the same, uh, to the same place. So, but what I'm saying, but the sleep thing really, really got me that when you lose it, it's gone. It's gone. You can't make it up. Can't make it up. So that's why I'm saying we must read and study and pray because literally we do not want to lose any more ground that has been lost if we have lost any. Now, I want you to turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians. And I'm just going to read a couple passages. The first one, just turn with me to 2 Corinthians 6. And we'll read... um, 2 Corinthians 6, and we'll start at 14. And this here starts, and it's not going to be, um, this ain't going to be no marriage seminar, so nobody don't get nervous on me to start with. Verse 14 starts like this. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what what concord has Christ with Belial? And what part hath he with a believer with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, for God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, the part about not being unequally yoked, we know what, most of that's what I'm speaking on. I mean, what that is spoke on, and I'm not even going to touch that, so I'm not even going to mention that. But the part about being unequally yoked is based on the Old Testament. And we know what it is based on here, again, that the Lord done so much. And it really makes it easy for us to understand when he would take a natural and make a spiritual point. And that is exactly what he was doing here. So he literally, the Lord prohibited of taking two animals and tying them together and working them. He said, you cannot do that. 
do not do that. So this is the phrase that he is referring to. He says, do not be unequally yoked together. So he said, don't take the two animals. Don't put them together. It's not fair to the animals. Don't put them in a yoke. Don't put them together. Don't farm with them. Do not do it. So that's the phrase. That's what he's speaking of. He's Basically, what he was saying is don't take two things, don't join two things together that should not be joined is what he was saying. And the Lord even went so far in this is saying the seed that they planted in the vineyards, the Lord said don't even mix the seed. Keep the seed separate. It's in the Bible. Do not even mix the seed. When you're planting do not, don't even, he said, if you do, you will defile the seed. That's in the Bible. So he said, that's what he was saying about. I mean, this is how strong that the Lord meant it. When he said, when you take two things, put them together, it's unequally yoked. And when you yoke something, they are tied together. And so, but my point is this. This is used so much in the one area that it's mentioned in. There is so many more ways that we can be unequally yoked other than the one phrase that it's mentioned in all the time. There's so many ways. I mean, literally, it is, it's, it's really, we can, we can apply this unequally yoked into any environment that influences our thinking the wrong way. In other words, if I'm hanging out w- with some buddies which I'm 56, which that don't happen very much. But if I'm hanging out on the street corner with a bunch of buddies and all of a sudden I find myself that they're starting to influence me, then I'm unequally yoked. You know, if I, if all of a sudden if I'm, you know, I'm not mentioned in church anymore. All they're talking about is stuff that I even shouldn't be around. Then I'm unequally yoked with them. See, that's the point. You know, we, you can't just throw this to one situation and leave it alone because it affects so much more. And I believe that, that we can. We, we can look at this in so many more. If the world is influencing us, it's an unequal yoke. That's why we got to guard ourselves and guard our minds. And it really does matter. It really does matter what we let influence us. And I'm telling you, preachers has preached their self inside out, inside out. I mean, and literally saying it matters what you watch and see, and, and they have been just ridiculed unbelievable by the world. But I'm telling you, what we allow to enter in our mind and what we allow ourselves to see, literally, I mean, there's, there's way too much Bible not to believe that. And then in verse 16, he tells him, he says, What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, walk in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. And then he says, uh, in other words, verse 16, the worst form of, de- uh, of desecration in the Old Testament was when they erected idols in the temple of God. And we see that literally that happened in the Old Testament. And literally, when you was to take God's holy temple 
and set up an idol in there. I mean, I, I don't see how they walked out. I don't. I, I really don't. I mean, I don't see how God tolerated it. I really, really don't. I really don't. And their association with these their idols, apparently in Corinthians, was was influencing their thinking because Paul wrote this to them, and he was saying, he said, "You, you, you are the temple of God. You are the temple of God. We are the temple of God." He was saying. And then he was saying, that's why he makes this comparison. He says, the worst form of all is when they took and erected idols in God's own temple. Now, that is as bad as you can get. And then he flipped the coin over and he says, but you are the temple of God. Now, an idol is anything we make it. Really and truly it is. It's anything we make it. So that is why, you know, we've, uh, you know, some people says, you know, I, I'm, I don't go to church and be a Christian because you can't do absolutely nothing. Well, <laughs> that's just from their perspective. They're not looking at it. They're not looking at it like they should. You know, uh, that's not exactly right at all. You know, God was saying everything that, that, that they was given, every rule, every regulation, that was put upon them was literally for their benefit, for their safekeeping, for the guarding of themselves. And it's just, and it's just said, and he said in verse, um, and then he said, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the un- unclean thing, and I will receive you. And he said, verse 18 is contingent upon verse 17. A lot of people claim verse 18 where he says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters. But 17 is there. And then he says, you've got to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and then I will receive you. And then he said, I will be. It's not enough to come out from among them. You've got to be separate, and you've got to stay separate to do this. And then the Bible says in verse 17 that where they did this, We've got to be separate. He says, you've got to come out from among them, the Lord said. You've, you cannot touch the unclean thing. And then I will receive you. I mean, our world is taught today, you don't have to do nothing. Be who you are. And, you know, you know, I'm really, really cautious at this point because I'm so afraid I, and afraid might not have been the right word, but I'm so cautious about being pharisaical of the way it would sound because a lot of people will, would just make me out pharisaical. But, when, but it is Bible. God himself said, first, you got to come out from among them. You've got to be separate, and you better not touch the unclean thing. You've got to do these three things before I will even receive you. And the world says, we don't care what you do. We don't care where you go, what you watch, what you act like. God will open his arms to you. The Bible does not say that. The Bible says you have to come out. You've got to be separate. And you better not touch nothing unclean. Or I will not even receive you. That is Bible. That's not us. That is not Hatchbin Apostolic Church saying that. Or saying these rules or regulations. That is God's word saying that. 
And it's not, it is not a just a, an abstaining from something. You always come away from sin to fill yourself with God. And that's why I've told um, the guys at, at, at the, um, in Mayo, you know, the, one of the things I love of, of the I am's in the Bible where the Bible says, I am the bread of life. I told them, I said, man, humanity has, I think of Brother Allen was there this day, where the humanity has shot their self full of drugs. They have took everything conceivable in life. I said, but God said, I am the bread of life. If you would partake of me, you would never hunger. And I said, nowhere on planet earth will you get this guarantee that if you would partake of me, that you would find something to fill the need, the longing in you that you can never replace nowhere else and you will never, ever have a need because if you would come to me and allow me to fulfill the need in you, then you would never hunger for it. I mean, that's Bible. God said, come to me, allow me to fill you. And all man does is just feel, and it's just, everything is temporary. Everything, you just come to me, and it's just a quick fix. It's just get me through the night or get me through the next hour. And then the next day, let's just start all over again. But I told him, I said, nowhere else can you go and get this. Nowhere else can you go and get this kind of a guarantee that if you would sell out, if you would come out from among them, if you would abstain from this, God said, if you would not touch, that is unclean. If touch means contaminate. If you would not contaminate yourself with this, then I will receive you. And then he said, and he would do this. Now, we are God's chosen. God is concerned. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. And some, some might say it is cruel in the Old Testament where God literally, literally had strict, stringent rules. Do this lest you die. God was so holy, so pure when the high priest went in. They just didn't get a second chance. I mean, they just no other way to put it. They just didn't get a second chance. You went into my temple, my holy of holies. You did it right. So when we have the Holy Ghost, when God plants a Holy Ghost in us, we have literally the most precious thing available on earth that, we'll, that we will ever get on life. Literally, we'll never get nothing any more precious than God's Spirit. And it's freely given. And just like in Galatians, the, the last phrase of it, it says, when he gives the fruit of the Spirit, he, when he says, against such is no law. There's no limit. There's no limit. Whatever you find yourself lacking in, Against such, there is no law. There's no limit to what you can ask for. It doesn't matter. Paul said there's no law. A law is defined for one thing, to define a limit. There's no limit on what we can ask for. He said you can do this. Now, in verse 18, he said, I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. And look at the last phrase. says the Lord Almighty. Now, I'm not someone that's up on the Greek, so I read this, and I'll just, and this was fascinating to me, so I'll, I'll leave it with you. Now, the phrase here, Lord Almighty, the Greek word, I can't even come close to pronouncing, but I'll tell you what it means. 
where it says, says the Lord Almighty means the one who has his hand on everything. It's only used two times in the New Testament. It's used here and in Revelation. So the way I look at it, it's like this. The sovereign God says, if you will separate yourself, keep yourself unspotted from the world, then you will be my sons and you will be my daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. And that means the one that has his hand on everything. So I'm not just separating myself just to be separated. The Lord God Almighty is the one said, you separate yourself and I will see that you're took care of. I will see that you're uh, nourished in everything that you need because two times it's used here and in Revelation, and that's it. This phrase here, Lord Almighty, it's literally, and it's used as when he says, come out from among them and be ye separate. So it's not just... It's not just as the world would say, yeah, that's all y'all talk about is how y'all can't contaminate with us or how you can't be. No, God is saying, I want you to separate yourself. We ain't talking about people. We're talking about sin. Separate yourself from the sin that's there. Humanity, God loves humanity, period. Period. So he said, come out from among them, Come out from among them, separate yourself from the sin, and I will receive you. And the Bible says, literally, this is just a phrase, but I love the phrase in 2 Corinthians a little bit farther earlier. To wit, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. As oneness, I love that scripture. That's part of a scripture. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. I'm going to read one more passage. If you want to, you can turn or just follow with me on the screen. I'm going to turn to 2 Timothy. I'm going to read in chapter 3. I'll start at 3 and uh, read probably to 9. This is Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. You would think he wouldn't even have to put that in there, but... From such turn away. Now, verse 6. For of this sort are they which crept into houses and led silly women laden with sins and led away with divers lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, James and Jambres withstood Moses. So did these always resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds rip a bait concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further. For their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. Now, he starts off and he's talking to Timothy. And he tells him perilous times is going to come. He just says, troubles, difficulties, 
stressful situations, ever what, ever what word you want to use. He just said, that's going to characterize the last days. This is what it's going to be. This is how it's going to be. But what he spoke of, when you read it in the content, it really wasn't bad times. It was bad people he was talking about. The sin that they let affect them is what he's talking about. The last days include literally. I don't know how you look at last days, but the last days, and and maybe I said that a little wrong. I'm not trying to, that wasn't a rebuke, and I don't mean it that way. So I, I hope you didn't take it that way. But ever how you look at the last days, that's up to you. But how I look at the last days is the last days begin at Pentecost. And they will go all the way until the Lord stops it when he comes back. That's the last days. Now, as time goes on, it'll get worse and worse. So we've been in the last days for over 2,000 years. So now we see this getting worse and worse, and it's marked by ever-increasing wickedness, we would say, in the world. The Bible says they're going to be lovers of themselves, and I'm telling you, I think everyone would agree that it's the all-about-me generation now. It is just That's just part of life. It is just literally part of life now. It's just all about me. And, you know... I can understand that to a little bit, but after a while, too much is too much. You know, enough's enough. You know, it's okay to like yourself, but after a while, you know, are you concerned about anybody else? You know, it seems like our generation, it's 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 100% all about me. I don't care what happens to you. I don't care if I'm in your way. I don't care if I'm holding you up. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. Really and truly, I mean, that's that's the generation that we live in. You know, I don't care if I'm putting you out, it don't matter. It's just really and truly, the moment we make the center of our life the center, that every other relationship is going to suffer. The relationship with God, the relationship with each other is going to suffer because it don't matter about you. All that matters is about me. Am I fulfilled? Am I being took care of? Because what's happening to you, I could care less about. You having trouble, so what? Big deal. You need a pastor? Not right now. I got to have him. You know, really and truly, I mean, I am really being obnoxious in saying all that. But really and truly, the generation out there that we live in, that we're subject to, that's literally what it's like. It's really and truly that's what we know it is. It is really and truly all about me. And we, the Bible says they're going to be boasters, proud, blasphemers. It's just, it's just. I have said really and truly, and I believe this, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing is sacred anymore. Nothing, nothing. There is no respect for anybody, woman, man, boy, or girl. It don't matter who you are or where you're at. There is no respect showed or given and it's just amazing to me. But we got, we got a Bible that tells us this. This is how it's going to be. This is how it's going to be. The Bible says they're going to be disobedient to parents. Since the 60s, 
We have seen this breakdown. We have literally, I mean, literally seen this happen literally before our eyes of what's happening. The Bible says without natural affection, without family affection, I think we could, you know, put a title on that. The Bible talks about without family, without family love. Um, I don't know. There's there's a God-given affection that I believe that men and women are born with. And it's just, I don't know. You know, I'll just, I won't get too far out on a limb. But um, the Bible says they're going to be without natural affection. And and we know what that means, a natural caring, a caring for their parents or caring for their children. And and we we just see, we just see the end result of that. Of, of how bad that can be. The Bible says without self-control and no self-control. I mean, when you don't, if you get out there and show yourself and throw it on YouTube, I mean, <laughs> you the man. I mean, you know, it's crazy. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's it's the one that shows out and shows no restraint and gets arrested. And I mean, they're the best. I mean, the Bible says they're going to be without self-control. Um, literally, that's that's the Bible. Despisers of good, the Bible says, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And really, all and truly, this I believe you could boil all of this down because it all boils back down to self. All I'm concerned about is me, me. All I'm concerned about is me. I don't care about nobody else. Uh, if I'm satisfied, if I'm took care of. It really doesn't matter. And that's why I think families, I mean, to, to really what we, I believe, as, as a rural church family can't comprehend, and I, I will go this far and hush about this, to what point, I'll, I'll use a man since I am one, at what point would a man have to get to before he could literally walk off and leave his own child knowing that child was in need? That's not God-given. You have to develop that. That is not God-given. But the Bible says they would be without natural affection. The natural affection would be to love that child and to nourish that child. Now, I know there's situations where children are is took from their fathers. I'm not referring to that. I'm just saying to literally walk off and leave your child in need. And you have the ability to help him. And you don't. That is not God given. That is all about me. I'm taking care of me. Let whoever take care of you. But the Bible says we will be in those days. And we are in those days. The Bible says that they would just have a form of godliness. But deny the power. I don't know. Salad bar religion, come in, take what you want, pick and choose. You know, I have some of this, this, and this, and we'll all go to heaven together. But really and truly, I mean, the Bible does not speak of that. The Bible does not even come close to that. Uh, That's why I've said, you know, um, the world has painted such an easy picture. And I'm not saying living for God is hard. All I'm saying is they have took everything 
just conceivable out of the word of God that is holy and righteous and just said, just repeat after me. Now you're a Christian and you're on your way to heaven. And, and all I believe true people of God is just saying, you need to read the rest of the story. You need to read about a loving God that has so much more. You are literally cutting yourself short of what you could be enjoying. We're not saying, we're not trying to make this thing so hard nobody can live it. That's not our point. I mean, God gave us grace because we need grace. That's the reason he gave us grace, because we was going to need it. So we're, it would be foolish to us to try to make it so hard that nobody could live it. You see my point? So, so for us to just try to come in here and beat somebody over the head is foolish. God gave us grace and mercy because we need it. But what I'm saying is, is the world has their own philosophy of what a Christian is. And then when you try to tell them there's so much more, they don't even have a clue of what you're talking about. You, you can pray and ask God to help you. You can pray when you get in trials and situations, when you get in circumstances that you don't have an answer to, that you do not have to let the enemy beat you over the head about. You can take your Bible and steal away and ask God to give you an insight and help him guard your mind and, and, and rebuke the enemy and help him. And when the enemy comes in, that the Bible says he would raise up a standard, that he would give us strength and anointing to overcome the evil one. And when our flesh is weak, we can pray. See, God, you know I have a problem in this, in this certain area. Give me strength in this area. You know, and God will do that. They don't even have a clue what you're talking about. They don't even have a clue. They don't have a clue that God is so much more and so much more vast than what they've heard. All they've heard is just bits and pieces, bits and pieces. That's why we want, we want the whole Bible. We want everything that God has literally to offer. That's what I'm saying. It's not just church. It's literally a way of life. And when it comes... They said they would just have a form of godliness. They say they're spiritual. But they sense no obligation to the biblical. All they want to do is come in, this, this, and this. But the Bible has nothing to do with it. All we want to do is just come in and we want to say we're going to do what we're going to do. And that's it. That's just a form. I don't want no form. I want the true and living God to help me. That's what I want. I want the one that has helped me. The Lord said that we can have his power. We can have his strength. That's what we're going to have, and I believe that's what it's going to take. That's why he gave us. That's why. You wonder why everything God did, everything he did, and when the Bible talks about the pouring of his spirit, he would have not offered the Holy Ghost if we would not have had to have it. So they, It is just. It's amazing to me that they just preach it as an option. It is not an option. For me to overcome everything I have to overcome, I have got to have the Holy Ghost. It is not an option. God would not have offered it if it was just, well, you can have it. I don't know. It don't really matter. Just I'll just leave it up to you. It's not like that. God in his spirit is like I said, the most holy thing that we could ever have. And him just saying, the world just saying it don't really matter. 
It does matter. It does matter. The Bible says, from such turn away. The ones that are saying, do this, do that, just have a form. Paul said, do not have nothing to do with them. Do not have nothing to do with them. And they said they're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning. I don't know what they're learning, but they're not learning no truth. Because I believe with all of my heart, because I'm telling you, God knows our heart. So I believe individuals, because I believe you look at this anyway, this is me. You look at any you look at this ever how you want to. I believe whatever church title is written on there means nothing to God. The person that looks in this book, desires a walk with God, and obeys this book, God will in no wise cast away. I'm telling you, God will touch a willing heart that will come to him and obey this book. And I believe the person that is being drawn toward this book, the Bible says the Holy Ghost will lead and guide us into all truth. So that means... All truth means you've got to start somewhere. That's what I'm saying. We're not theologians, or I'm not. You might be, I'm not. So what I'm saying is, I don't know it all. So I've got to start somewhere. So have a hunger and a thirst. And when you do, when you come to church, that's why he said, receive of my spirit. And if you would keep that hunger and thirst, then what you desire, I would lead and guide you into all truth. And that's what he said he would do. So I, what's on the title? And, and I have said this, and, and I pray that y'all understand me. But UPC means nothing to me. And I pray you understand what I mean by that. I'm not coming to church for UPC. I'm coming to church for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I'm coming to church. And I, I pray you understand what I mean. And I would say that with Brother and Sister Boyd sitting here, and they know what I mean. So I am not caught up in no title by no means. So that's why a title of a church or an organization does not impress me. I'm not against them and I'm not for them. But all I'm saying is I want a relationship with the Lord. That is my goal. That is my goal. That's my purpose. I'm searching for the one that I love. That is what I want. That is what I'm looking for. The spirit, they are led. The Bible tells us the ones, the world, they're led by their flesh and their lust. That's the reason that they never get to know truth because they're led by the flesh. The Bible plainly tells us if you're led by the flesh, there's no spirit in you. So he tells them ever learning, ever learning and never come. The two that resisted Moses, in the Old Testament, the Bible does not name them, but he tells us when Moses did all this, when he went to um, on the children of Israel. Now, they did do miracles. The, the people that Moses went down, the sorcerers, the powers of darkness is what they did it by, but they were miracles. Now, I think we can bring this all the way up to the Antichrist. That's what... That is why Brother Boyd and other ministers have said repeatedly, as a Christian, if we need anything, it is the spirit of discernment. Because there is so many spirits that's prevalent in our world 
for it's just because when they took, what if the children of Israel, when Moses throwed his rod down and it become a serpent, and you're standing there and they did it and theirs become a serpent, and you just walked up and you wouldn't party to nothing that went on before, and you see them do this, you would have seen a miracle. What you would need would the spirit of discernment to say, it is Satan himself that gave them the authority to do that. It was not God. So I believe what a lot of people is going to fall for is when the Antichrist starts doing miracles, they're going to say, he's doing miracles. When the Bible has told us, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. God's angels are angels of light. So how can we tell? We need God to inform us. Give us the spirit of discernment. When there's something is wrong, I need God to check my spirit to let me know when something's out, when something's wrong. I don't want to be party to nothing that the enemy has any control over. God, give me the wisdom and the strength and the anointing to know when everything is not going right and the enemy has a hand in this. I don't care if miracles are being formed are being done. Give me the knowledge and the wisdom to know the difference of what's being done because they was performing miracles. But by the power of the enemy, by the power of Satan, they was doing this. The Bible says we have them here in our day as they resisted Moses, so they will resist the truth. And as the... That's why I know God's word is true. That's why I know God's word is true. Because it is God's word is truth and it is fault so much. It is just, I can't believe you still believe that. I just can't believe you go. There's nothing but old people at that church. It's just, it's just all you do is go there. It's just, I can't believe you're doing this. And it's just, you've heard every excuse in the book. And I just said, look. They're just resisting the truth is what they're doing. And Paul told us that is just what they're going to do. This is God's word. It is truth. They're going to resist it. And he says that they have this, but they resist the truth literally because if they don't, what it would do is just unveil who they really are. And they are just messengers of Satan is what they really are. And the Bible and God and his word and his spirit would just unveil them for what they really are. So they resist it. They resist God and his truth. And they don't want nothing to do with it. But he says, in we have the ability. That's why I said we have been taught time and time and time again. And we do, we do need God's spirit. We do, we do need God's spirit to help us. Because the end time, as he had told us, that is why. And Paul, and, and I, will, I will end with this. In the eighth chapter, when he tells us who shall separate us, he lists 17 things that cannot separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. When you read the list, there's a lot there. There's a lot there It's going to try. 
But he just goes down the list and checks them off. And he says, there are going to be a lot of things that try to separate you. But in the end, they're not going to have the ability. And that the, <clears throat> the very end, I don't have it, but the very end, I think the last one is any other creature. He just says, look. He goes through the list. Angels, principalities, powers. And then he says, in case I missed anything, any other creature, they ain't going to have the ability. Pure and simple, and I'm not trying to be harsh with this, the only one that can separate you from the love of God is the one you look at every day, and that's it. That's why we guard ourselves. We pursue the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We give ourselves to God. We search for the one that we love. We give ourselves to him. We pray God helps us. This is not just coming to church to go through the motions. God has so, has so much more. Everything he did from beginning to end was for his church. Gave everything for his church. And we have literally been given everything we need to overcome the enemy that wars against us, that fights us. Everything we need, everything we need is given to us. And I thank him for it. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask him to just play us something. If you would, just stand in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.